Good morning. Welcome to Trinity's Daily Podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and I'm glad to be with you here on this Monday. I'm going to read a psalm, actually Psalm 44, which is a psalm of lament, and then we're going to pray and spend just a little bit of time here at the beginning of our day thinking about this psalm of lament. Psalm 44. We have heard with our ears, O God, our ancestors have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm give them victory, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance for you delighted in them. You are my king and my God. You commanded victories for Jacob. Through you we pushed down our foes. Through your name we tread down our assailants. For not in my bow did I trust, nor in my sword did it save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to confusion those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. Yet you have rejected us and abased us and have not gone out with our armies. You made us turn back from the foe, and our enemies have taken spoil for themselves. You have made us like sheep for slaughter. You have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the people. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. At the words of the taunters and revilers, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, yet we have not forgotten you nor been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the haunt of jackals and covered us with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a strange God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Because of you, we are being killed all day long and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our afflictions and oppressions? For we sink down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would help us to see this psalm of lament as an invitation to learn how to do lament. God, we admit to you that we don't do it very well but we need to learn. So help us learn in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So yesterday was Pentecost Sunday and typically Pentecost is a celebration. We celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. And yet yesterday here at Trinity, our church stepped back from its normal rhythms in order to engage in lament. So I was comforted in my heart actually when I opened the Bible and saw this Psalm of lament. Here in Atlanta and in many other places around our country, we find ourselves weeping for what has been lost, uh, weeping because of the pandemic, weeping for Ahmaud Avery, weeping for George Floyd and many others. We're also weeping because of the violence that spread around our city um, here in Atlanta on Friday and also manifested in places like New York and Memphis and Minneapolis, Washington, D.C. And yet here I think there's a gift in the midst of all of that, uh, loss, we have access to one of the very uh, beautiful psalms of lament, one of these 
poems that help provide language for how we're meant to express our grief and pain. Y'all, it, it does us no good to pretend, uh, to stuff pain down or to busy ourselves so that we don't have to feel it. So often, I think many of us are tempted to live uh, externally because we're afraid of what's inside of us. We're afraid of what would happen if we sat down and acknowledged uh, the hurts and the losses. We must express pain. We must become aware of it so that we can express it and offer it to God if we're to receive life and healing. So I want to look at the movements of this poem because I believe that there's a template here for us as we seek to be a people who know and learn how to lament wisely. The first thing we see in the psalm is the, the poet remembers. He reminds himself of stories he's heard. And I love the, the reference here is he references, I've heard stories. He, he essentially claims the stories of the Jews and he includes himself in those stories, but he's not speaking at the beginning uh, in, in lots of first tense language. He's remembering something that actually happened before him. And remembering helps us say, God, this is who we know you to be. This is what our tradition teaches us. This is what it shows us. This is what it says about you. And that kind of remembering that orients us, it actually anchors our story the story of our life or the story of Atlanta right now, the story of COVID-19, it anchors that micro story within a larger story. It roots us. And I believe one of the biggest challenges in front of us today is because of our fierce individualism, we tend to see our story in isolation from a greater story. I believe that now is a time for us to be retaught, to think like people of faith, to think like Jews, to think like Christians. And that's, you're not alone. What you're experiencing, what I'm experiencing is part of something that's bigger than us, that we're actually surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I will tell you that in the aftermath of the violence and rioting in Atlanta on Friday, I've just been reminded again and again that this city was a city that belonged to Martin Luther King Jr. before it belonged to us. We actually are surrounded by those who've gone before us. So the first thing the poet does is he remembers. The second thing he does is he declares that he belongs to God. He says, you are my king and my God. He says, I don't trust in my own strength. It's you. I trust in you. So what he does in that moment is after remembering, he claims the bigger story for himself. It's not just history for him. It's not just a wider story. It's his story. So do you see what the poet's doing here? He's actively taking hold of what he's received from his ancestors and making it his. And I think that you and me, if we're to be active participants with God, we have to lay claim to the wider story and say, God, it's also my story. He's not just a student or a spectator. He enters into a participant space. Thirdly, and only after he's done the remembering and the declaring that he belongs, thirdly, does he offer his complaint. He speaks honestly, openly before God. He's raw and real. He says, you've rejected us. You're not helping us. You have put us in a bad situation. You've put us, God, in dangerous situations. He says, you've sold us off for nothing. These are dangerous words, or at least they feel that way to us. But here's the thing. If we don't verbalize our raw and real emotions, our feelings, we'll simply never move past them. We'll never see God meet us. They'll fester. Many of us have experienced a kind of Christian spirituality that's akin to, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I just want to say here, that's not how God works. That's not the rule in his household. He wants us to say what we feel. I found myself today 
As I was praying the prayer of lament in light of these recent events in Atlanta following George Floyd's death, I found myself saying, God, it doesn't feel safe. God, it doesn't feel as if black and white will ever truly be healed and reconciled. We have to verbalize these things or else they'll live under the current of our lives and untended to pain is still pain. So the fourth thing the poet does is after verbalizing his complaint, he affirms his trust. He essentially says, I'm hurt and confused, but I've not forgotten you. My heart is with you. It hasn't turned back. He's not lost in his complaint. And I think that many of us, one of the reasons why we don't engage in lament is that we're worried we'll be lost in our complaint, that it'll swallow us up, that our anger or our pain will uh, define us. But here he's able to, within a wider landscape, he's able to affirm his trust even after being honest. And I think that for you and me, there's a choice there for us. And finally, the poet asks God to move. He says, rouse yourself, wake up, God. I, I think of Jesus asleep in the boat, um, stirring God as we call out to him. This is where I think we move from trust to something declarative, something faithful. God move, God work, God heal. As I lament the division and the pain in our country, I'm asking God to move. So as you step into your day, I would encourage you to think about what it means for you to engage in lament, consisting of, number one, remembering. Number two, declaring that you belong to God. Number three, offering your complaint. Number four, affirming your trust. And number five, asking God to move. Come, Lord, move in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.